Welcome to West Coast Sports University. I'm the Dean of Sports, Trevor Dean. Every week we'll talk about sports teams up and down the West Coast from the Pac-12 to the NBA, MLB, NHL, and NFL. West Coast Sports University presented by Behind the Mic Podcasts. Listen live each week on CastBox, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and Mixler.com slash Westside Mobile Media. I'm the Dean of Sports, Trevor Dean, along with the principal, Mark Heff, Mark Heffernan. And uh, Mark, want to start off with the NFL. I know a team you're familiar with, the uh, Los Angeles Rams, currently tied with New Orleans for the uh, top spot in the NFC. Uh, who do you think will uh, eventually take uh, home field advantage in the NFC once playoffs start? That's a great question. I'm a Los Angeles Rams fan, but I'm also a Drew Brees fan, and that team is playing out of their minds, the New Orleans Saints. I was so impressed with them, their victory over the Rams at home, and then they had uh, had a big victory against Philadelphia yesterday. Went on the road to beat the Bengals prior to defeating the Rams. They're the hottest team. To me, they're the best team in, in the National Football League. That's as far as offense and defense. Their offense is as good, if not better, than the Rams. They utilize more players, and their defense is a little bit better. A lot of the Ram fans are not like me saying that, but I'm tough. I don't miss my words right now. To me, they're the best team in football. They are dynamic, and they're very aggressive offensively. Brees is having a masterful year. I don't care if he's 39. His staff is just amazing. Got Ingram and Kamari, uh, two outstanding running backs. Their defensive backs, they hit. They guard people, unlike the Rams. So to me, they're the best overall team. They've got a great coach. has already won a Super Bowl. So I think they'll have the home field advantage. Seahawks, uh... Seahawks, my team up here in the uh, Northwest in uh, Seattle, um, they lost their uh, they lost their owner Paul Allen due to uh, non Hodgkin's lymphoma. Also, owner of the Trailblazers um, last month. Uh, Chris Carson's back for them. I think uh, as long as they can get uh, some balance from their offense and get the running game going again, that they uh, might have a chance to sneak in as a wild card team, but. Uh, I think the NFC West is pretty much wrapped up by the L.A. Rams. Both games less than uh, one full possession. And from what you know, you have to win those close games, and they lost twice uh, against the Rams in tight games. They lost another game, I think, to San Diego LA Chargers. They lost to San Diego. Uh, they lost to LA. They lost twice to the Rams. Yeah. They had the close win yeah. over. There's maybe three or four teams, I think, that'll battle for the uh, final two uh, wildcard spots in the uh, NFC. Carolina, I think, is probably going to finish second behind New Orleans. Atlanta and Tampa Bay are pretty much out. Um, NFC West, uh, Arizona and San Francisco, they're going to be uh, lottery teams, along with uh, 
the Raiders and the AFC, the other uh, L.A. team that will be um, in the lottery. But uh, NFC East, with Alex Smith out, uh, I think the NFC East is pretty much a toss-up now. With uh, I thought it was pretty much a foregone conclusion that Washington would would uh, win the NFC East, but Dallas has picked up back-to-back wins now. And in fact, uh, their offensive coordinator, Scott Linehan, is the uncle of uh, the head coach where I'm at. Uh, the high school football coach is his uncle, so uh, strong pedigree for the Linehan name in uh, football in uh, the NFL and college and high school. Well, that was a gruesome injury to Alex Smith, and uh, it was so weird. Uh, Joe Feinsman was in attendance, and this happened 33 years to the day that it happened to him. It was the same injury to the Asuga, and um, the score was the same. And, of course, you know, two Washington Redskins quarterbacks. Very odd. Yeah, they're going to – they tried out three guys today, one of the Mark Sanchez and a couple of other guys as backups. Well, I heard that they signed Mark Sanchez earlier today. Wow. He came in yesterday. So he's a guy who had a lot of hype around him coming from Texas. And Sanchez was a star at USC, but both pretty much they had disappointing pro careers. Sanchez, at this point, will be the backup, but if you know, McCoy doesn't do well, you're probably will bring in Sanchez. But the Redskins are 6-4, and four, and uh, Dallas is 5-5. Five and five. I'm very impressed with Dallas' defense. They're going to have some phenomenal linebackers and down linemen. The problem has been the inconsistency of Dak Prescott, the quarterback. So if you can have more consistency from him and then the running ability of Ezekiel Elliott, they, they can be a force in that division and, and you know, possibility of a wild card spot, but they have to win some games. Dallas is a dangerous team, and the reason I say that is because they have a strong defense. So they will be in every game they play from here on out. Obviously a big game Thursday when they play Washington on you know, Thanksgiving Day. Huge game for both. So Dallas will either be tied for first or will be two back. So it's a you know, two-game switch there. Really must win for, for Dallas over Washington. And that's been a rivalry for years and years. Right. Um, I think that is the uh, annual Thanksgiving, ga- thanks- Thanksgiving Day game for uh, yeah. Dallas. So that should be uh, high viewer numbers for that game with uh, a lot of people watching football on Thanksgiving Day. Um So it's a two-game advantage for uh, Washington if they win. And also with the head-on thing, you know, you must like, you know, the Rams beat the Seattle both times in the division. Seattle played them very tough. It's a great rival. That's the best rivalry now in the NFC West. For a while, it was San Francisco and Seattle. Now, the Niners are rivals, you know, the Rams because of the North-South thing in California. But to me, the Rams and Seattle, they, uh, they have, they're fierce rivals. There was a lot of chippiness when they played each other. You know, up there in Seattle, and Pete Carroll, he's coaching USC. And the problem with the Niners, they lost Garoppolo early in the year. They would have been a better team. Right. I don't think they'd be as good as the, as the Rams. They'd be right there with Seattle if Garoppolo was playing. I don't think he makes so much difference. And when he got hurt, they changed the whole complexion of their team. And then uh, they had uh, Beathard playing. But then the other guy that came in did a better job than Beathard. So they're kind of looking at next year. But 
you know, Arizona and uh, San Francisco play the Rams uh, the last part of the year. Arizona hosts the Rams, and then the Lions close out with the Rams at the Coliseum. And Josh Rosen is the quarterback for Arizona. He's not really doing that well. A couple of picks yesterday. He's from UCLA. So you have a lot of north-south type of situation. I want to talk about, you probably know, I want to talk about teams that really impresses me with their intensity and their defense. This is the Chicago Bears. I was just going to mention them. And I think uh, Chicago will probably take the NFC North, and it's going to be between Minnesota and uh, Green Bay. For um, I don't think either. I don't think they're going to get two wild cards from the NFC North. And uh, Minnesota, I think, with a better record than Green Bay right now. Um, do you think uh, that injury to Aaron Rodgers in that Sunday night game early in the season against Khalil Mack? Do you think that's hurt him more than he's uh, let up and has caused? Green Bay to uh, have a worse record than what they normally do? Yeah, it does. The thing about that, he's not surrounded by a lot of really good players. They have this kind of an average running attack. The defense is okay. So there's more pressure on him to perform than some of the other QBs. And I know he lost... Well, the thing about Green Bay, the thing about Green Bay too, is that uh, I believe Jordy Nelson just retired within the last couple of weeks. So he's pretty much the only receiver that uh, Aaron Rodgers had that that he could really count on as a reliable uh, pass catcher. So um, without uh, without some. And I up here they were talking about the uh, the Green Bay Seattle game on Thursday Night Football, and late in that game, Aaron Rodgers had like third down and two, and had like a just little little short shovel pass. It sounded like, and uh, just had incomplete pass. They said it was the worst pass of uh, Aaron Rodgers' career on a uh, late in a game when you're driving to try to to try to go back up late. Um, I don't know if maybe Aaron Rodgers is, I know he's 
been MVP uh, recently, but um, you don't. I don't know if he's getting up there in age to where he's going to get close to retire. I know Brady says he's not going to retire anytime soon, but to to miss a receiver three or four yards in front of you on on third down and two um, seems pretty uh, unexplainable. Right. Just one more thing before we uh, talk about the AFC for uh, a short moment. Um, the only thing that really worries me about Chicago is, I know you talk so much about their defense, you don't have to worry about outscoring teams when uh, you can hold opponents down, but uh, playoff time, Trubisky, not a, lot of, uh, not a lot of experience. I don't think he's actually had any playoff experience yet. Do you... Right. Houston. 
Right. Well, the Right. talk about I want to talk about the AFC I want to talk about the AFC quickly before we move on to uh, the Pac-12 um, do you think this is the year that uh, New England could get uh, knocked out as the AFC representative in the Super Bowl Yes. Yes. Yeah. AFC South, um, three teams are uh, at least in the wild card race. That that division is pretty much stacked outside of Jacksonville. Uh, Indianapolis put a whooping on Tennessee yesterday with uh, Marcus Mariota from Oregon, but um, Houston started out 0-3. Yesterday, line drives, soft tosses, close patterns. He's been on his 
hasn't played in probably about four years because he's been healthy. So he makes them a dangerous team. I'm not sure the people around him, but he makes them a very competitive team. Andrew Luck. West Coast Sports University covers sports teams up and down the West Coast. From the college levels, the Pac-12, to the professional leagues, the NFL, the MLB, the NBA, the NHL, and more. If it's on the West Coast and it's sports-related, we'll talk about it. I'm the Dean of Sports, Trevor Dean. And also joining us will be Principal Hef, Mark Heffernan, West Coast Sports University, hosted by the On The Mic Podcasts. And we're back, West Coast Sports University, along with the Dean of Sports and the Principal Mark Heff. I'm Trevor Dean, and uh, Mark, time to talk college football, mainly the Pac-12. Um, Oregon, uh, not the team they've been in recent years. I've been hearing some rumors that uh, their defensive coordinator, whose uh, name is escaping me right now, can be uh, or is is linked to. Uh, Colorado, he may be leaving for uh, Mike McIntyre's old position and also some ties to Kansas State as Bill Snyder may be retiring. And they've had a lot of issues, not so much defensively, but uh, offensively. And their coordinator, Marcus Arroyo, um, may be out the door from where what I'm hearing. Not Nothing confirmed, but uh, Oregon has had some issues over the last few weeks, especially on the road. With um, starting slow last week in the uh, win over Arizona State, it was pretty much the opposite. They they scored in the first uh, two or three minutes of the game, had a uh, big lead up twenty eight to three, I think, in the first half, and held on to beat uh, Arizona State. I think just scoring six points in the second half, very conservative play calling in the second half. Um, what do you think the problem is in Eugene? Vince Young. Maurice Jones Drew. Right. 
year comes through the problem with UCLA. They're playing a graduate transfer quarterback. He won't be there next year. And the guy who's a freshman, Dorian Thompson, they kind of switched off back and forth. Dorian had a chance to play when Spike was hurt, and now Dorian's on the bench. So what are you doing, Chip Kelly, with your QB situation? Do you have somebody coming in next year? Are you going to play Dorian next season, or is there somebody else? So they have the they have one runner that they're utilizing. And their defense has improved, but you're not going to really win in the Pac-12 unless you have a quarterback that can throw and effectively. Team score too much. And they have three victories this year. Whoopee. They play better lately. They have Stanford this week. Right. They have not beaten Stanford in their last 10 years. Cardinal won 10 consecutive games over the Bruins. They do it with physicality. They run the football down the East throat, and that's how they beat them. You know, Stanford has four losses this year, but uh, I didn't have that mental edge over UCLA in football. That's a team that the Bruins just have not matched up well with over the last decade. Two coaches on the uh, getting a lot of discussion in the uh, southern half of the conference. First of all, Mark, uh, Mike McIntyre being let go at Colorado. They jumped out to a hot start, five and zero, and were uh, being talked about as being uh, Pac-12 South champions. And then they lose their last seven games, including to my Oregon State Beavers, who uh, won in overtime on homecoming. I know they had a they had a an, a, uh, an injury to their running back uh, Chenault, but um, I think he did play in the last uh, couple of games. But I think from uh, what I heard, the um, what really did in Mike McIntyre was the uh, the last game against uh, Utah. They had planned on waiting until the end of the season, but. Um, Colorado's athletic director called that pretty much an embarrassing loss the way they lost and uh 30 to 7 at home to uh Utah who as you know uh, lost their starting quarterback and playing with I believe a um freshman quarterback with uh, back-to-back wins over Oregon and Colorado um Colorado now looking for a new head coach do you think uh Helton is on his way out at USC as well Yeah, I do think he's on his way out. 
We'll see what happens against Notre Dame is undefeated. But that might not be something if USC upset Notre Dame. That would ruin the Irishman's entire year. They have a chance to be in the Final Four. They're dominating teams. The best season they've had since they played in the championship, I don't know, four or five years ago, they got throttled in that game. But this is that big intersection of rivalry. Notre Dame can only go down. USC can only go up. Uh, a matchup, uh, you know, a great rivalry, USC and UCLA. USC and Notre Dame. But USC's having the, the down year. Notre Dame's having a great year. And for Notre Dame, it's obviously a must-win situation against USC. That doesn't mean that beating them put them to the Final Four because it'd be better if USC had defeated UCLA and had defeated Cal. Because if you the better teams that you compete against and defeat, that helps you in your season. Strength of opponent. But nonetheless, yeah, I think I think that Clay Helton is on his way out. I don't think that Lynn Swan is pleased with the job he's done. And so I believe that uh, they'll have a talk with them after the game. The question is, if USC pulls off the upset, will Swan not talk to him? Definitely if he loses, he's gone. If he loses big, he's definitely gone. I don't know how they work things in USC, the hierarchy there. I just know a lot of people are not pleased with the program. Pac-12 North... Uh... Pac-12 North uh, rivalry games all over the Pac-12 uh, this weekend, but uh, Utah and Colorado played last week. Um, Territorial Cup, Arizona-Arizona State. Herm Edwards was predicted to uh, finish last in the Pac-12 South. Um, I think he's got to be in the running for Coach of the Year, um, getting uh, the Sun Devils to a bowl game. Washington and Washington State, Apple Cup, the winner of that game uh, will clinch the Pac-12 North and take on Utah. Um, if Washington State wins, which I don't know, Washington's had Washington State's number the last few years in the Apple Cup, but uh, I believe that game is played in, in Seattle. Um, but if Washington State wins and USC does knock off Notre Dame, will Washington State be in the BCS? Washington State, right, so if Washington beats Washington State and then beats Utah in the Pac-12 championship, do you think Washington and Washington State will both get to uh, big New Year's Day bowls, the uh, the big six? Well, Washington only has two losses, but 
Washington's two losses are to uh, actually three losses. They lost to Auburn the first week of the season. They lost at Cal, and they lost at Oregon. That's not a good. That's not a good loss for Washington. Washington State's only loss was at USC on that game that uh, USC kicked the uh, game-winning or had the uh, game-winning field goal attempt from Washington State blocked. Right, but a lot of the. Washington State, after that, uh, after Washington State's win over Oregon, there was a lot of talk on uh, Portland radio about uh, Washington State. Uh, that was when the, the BCS talk for Washington State really started getting going up here. And they said that the only reason Washington State lost that game to USC was because of a big uh, no call and what should have been a targeting penalty the week after um, – the Pac-12 had came out and said they were going to start cracking down on the targeting penalty, and also some uh, that that decision to uh, to not throw the flag after they had looked on it on looked at it on review was actually made by uh, Pac-12 general counsel and not even actually by Larry Scott. So there's obviously some conspiracy theory stuff going on with. Uh, Maybe TV market with Los Angeles trying to keep a small market team out like Washington State. Pullman, only a town of about uh, fifteen or 20,000, if that much. Um, the, conspiracy, the conspiracy theory of Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I did a game at Idaho a number of years ago. I was doing broadcast for Cal State Northridge, the Matadors. And uh, we flew from L.A. to Salt Lake City. This is during January. It was about 22 degrees there, and then we flew from there to Spokane, Washington. It was about 18, and we passed Pullman via bus to uh, Moscow, Idaho. It was about 12 degrees outside. This is probably on a Wednesday. And then Northridge played Idaho the following day. Beautiful arena, by the way, on a Thursday. Kibby Dome. I believe there's nine teams.
Philly fan. So what do I know? <laughs> I believe there's nine teams. Right. I believe there's nine teams in the nine teams in the Pac-12 currently bowl eligible: uh, Washington, Washington State, Oregon, uh, Stanford, Cal, Arizona, Arizona State for sure. I'm not sure about Arizona. I think Arizona still needs one more win. Um, USC, Utah. Um, and I, I think there's only seven, only seven tie-ins to the Pac-12. Do you think Oregon get, or, uh, the Pac-12 gets all nine teams to, uh, other, other bowls? Well, USC won't be in a bowl team. USC, if USC beats Notre Dame, they probably will be. They'd be six and six, and they knock off the team that's ranked number three in the country. If they beat it, but right now, USC's five and six. Okay. seen a couple of weeks ago that another bowl has been added for next year, the Myrtle Beach Bowl, which will, I believe, uh, tie into uh, the MAC. which, do you honestly think there's too many bowl games? Yes, I do. Yeah, there's about twice as many as there should be. I'm, I'm a purist. Right. I don't think they need a first round. I think you start with quarters and you have the semis and finals. Right. Now I played, you know, like a hundred years ago and it was hard to make it to the playoffs. One year we were ten and two. The only reason we made it in, we tied for our league championship, but the team that we tied with beat us by more than we beat them. We defeated them seven to three. They defeated us twenty five to seven. So all you have is like three leagues. They picked the the winners of the three leagues. And the second place team with the best record. Well, even though we tied for first in our league, we were considered the second number two seed. And so we had only two losses on the year eight. We played two bigger schools out of our division and split with them. Yet, we were fortunate to make it to the playoffs. And then we had a semifinal game, which we won, played on the road. And we played a championship game on the road against that team in our own league. We played them three times in one season. We kicked their rear 36-13 win the championship. But we were an 8-2 team. Here in this area, we have teams getting into the playoffs. They have records of 3-7 and seven and 4-6 and six to get into the playoffs in high school in a section. And sometimes they win a game. They don't win the championship, but they still are able to get in and, and win the first-round game. The playoffs are not good, positive for teams that have had great years. The playoffs are there to benefit teams that have been disappointing the entire season to give them a chance. It's not a good deal for teams that are, are 9-1 or 10-0. There's more pressure on them. 
they have to win. It's more suited in, in any sport. It's more suited for teams that are 8-8 eight eight or 5-5 five five or not 500. Because some teams that have poor records maybe have some ineligible players that were ineligible early in the year. Maybe they have some key guys that got hurt early in the season they came back healthy and their, their team changes. But some teams do not improve more during the course of the year than other teams. OS. To me, to me, there's too many teams in the playoffs OSAA, which governs high school sports in Oregon, Oregon Scholastic Activities Association, um, they had teams in, including a team from our league that that finished fourth with a record of two and six, that uh, made it in the um, playing round, that lost on the road. The team that we beat in uh, the first round. Came in with a uh, record of three and five and knocked off the uh, um, second place team from our league on the or the third place team from our league on the road, and so there were obviously some teams that shouldn't have been in, but once they got in, um, anything can happen in playoffs, as the old. can really only answer that one way. Too many teams in the playoffs. School starts here usually the uh, the Tuesday after Labor Day, and uh, our first game was uh, the last Friday of August, the weekend uh, before Labor Day. So football really started on time, but here playoffs started um, right around Halloween because in every classification from 6A to 1A, you have a play-in round, and then you have first round, and then you have quarterfinals, semifinals, and then finals. So it's like five or six weeks of uh, playoff football where if you cut down the number of teams and maybe eliminate the play-in round, um, not have such a watered-down playoffs with teams with uh, below 500 records, um, you might be able to get in an extra um, non-conference game and something I was going to mention earlier going back to college football is I think the BCS needs to go back to more of an RPI system like the uh, like college basketball. And every team, including Alabama, that is in the BCS or uh, wants to be in the BCS conversation should have to play um, – all Division One programs have at least three non-conference games – and Alabama almost every year schedules somebody like the Citadel, VMI, somebody that's FCS that they know they're going to blow out to pad their schedule. And that shouldn't, those games should be thrown out. It should be one game against, at least one game against a Division I opponent, one game against um, maybe somebody uh, from a non Power Five, like within your region, like uh, the, for Alabama, the Sun Belt, or. Um, the AAU, like a Memphis or um, UCF. I'd, I'd love to see Alabama and UCF play. 
Um, for Oregon, that would be a team from uh, the WAC or the Mountain West. Um, I don't think the WAC plays football anymore, but um, and then if they if they if defense only two losses this year. They got Tedford back as coach, and he's turned that program around. They're about as good as they're going to be. Uh, Francis State's not going to be an elite program. They're, they're in the next step. They're what you, I would call them. I went to Francis State. I would call them a very good second-tier program. That's not a knock. They're, they're an excellent team. They're not in the same categories as Bama and Clemson. When USC's good or Washington, those schools, they're not second-tier. That's still pretty good. Oregon, I don't think, even if they had won out or just finished with the one loss to Washington State, I don't think they would have been a BCS team even uh, with just one loss because of their non-conference schedule. They had one of the worst non-conference schedules in the country. They opened with Bowling Green, were down a couple of scores early in that game. Uh, San Jose State, that, that they really never put that game away until late in the third quarter against an Aztec team that had... Right. And then their last, Oregon's last game of the non-conference schedule was at home against Portland State. So really not, uh, not, a, not a strong non-conference schedule. And I think for any team to be considered um, as uh, having, having a shot at the BCS, you should have to play at least one Division One opponent um, and no more than no more than one uh, FCS opponent. Well, I have some teams that Oregon could play, and they're like a, in the Mountain West Conference. You could have either Boise State, who is always very strong, Fresno State, or San Diego State. But right. The other teams, the other teams are kind of weak. Those teams are very good at football. Uh, the uh, WAC doesn't really have football. A lot of conferences, like Big Sky Conference, you don't want to be playing Montana, Montana State, right. Cal Poly, that's that mid-division. A lot, of, a lot of schools in California don't play football. But any, any of those is going to be a good game. Boise, Fresno, San Diego State, they can take it from there. So, uh, yeah, they need to beef up their schedule a little bit. Right. I remember a few years ago when they played uh, Michigan and Oklahoma at home, and they were supposed to have had a, uh, a game with Texas A&M this year, but um, that uh, I think Texas A&M backed out at the last minute because they were uh, afraid to come to Oregon. But um, we're running out of time for this. They have played Hawaii in the past. Right. That's all the time we have for this segment. We'll take a break, and when we come back, uh, we'll have our final segment and talk uh, NBA and possibly a little NHL. You're listening to West Coast Sports University with the Dean and Principal F. Scoreboard.com is your one-stop shop for all scores around the world of sports. 
from cricket to the PGA to the NFL to the World Cup, Scoreboard.com brings you the latest in scores and stats for all sports all year long. Scoreboard.com, all scores, one scoreboard. And we're back for the last segment of West Coast Sports University as we continue to talk sports up and down the West Coast. And our last segment, uh, NBA, possibly a little NHL. Um, Portland Trailblazers currently, as uh, we are speaking here on Monday, uh, November 19th, a half-game lead over the Golden State Warriors. Uh, Portland, really a surprise team this year, uh, doing it with their bench, Nick Stauskas and uh, Curry, Steph Curry's younger brother, um, whose first name escapes me at the moment, uh, really one of the uh, best offensive benches in the NBA, the big reason for the uh, Blazers' hot start. Um, they are on a one and two road trip after defeating uh, Washington uh, last night, Sunday night. Um, but a, a big loss, probably their biggest loss of the year at uh, Minnesota on um, Saturday, Friday or Saturday. Then um, they have to go to Milwaukee and to uh, Golden State back to back to finish the road trip. I think starting tomorrow. Um, Paul Allen again. We mentioned him with the Seahawks. Late owner of uh, the Trailblazers passed away last month again from uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, do you think the Blazers can keep up this hot start? I'm not a playoff team. I think they're one of the top teams in the West. Uh, they have Lillard and Colin Brick. Guards have big games last night. They won. I think Lillard had 40. Right. And they've uh, they lost at home to Washington, which uh, Washington just five wins on the season, and for a long time that was uh, Washington's only win. You mentioned you mentioned the Lakers. They started out uh, slow and won like uh, six out of their last seven or something like that. Um, do you think uh, do you think they're going to finish above high, above five hundred and get to the playoffs and uh, finish stronger than they have in recent years? Portland, 
we'll finish over 500. I'm not sure how many games over that. But playoffs, uh, as, as we talk right now, I mean, I'm going to be very fortunate to finish in number eight, the number eight position, as we're talking right now. I don't think the other players on the team are doing enough. I mean, LeBron James have to do quite a bit. All right. Denver Denver started out strong, and they've dropped off some. Oklahoma City's moved up a little bit. You mentioned Houston. Utah had that huge historic loss at Dallas, only scoring 68 points and getting blown out by 50. Um, Utah, normally a uh, a strong historic, a strong uh, historically a, a playoff team. And I've just get tired of other players around you sometimes. Like Kerr saying we've lived the dream world, the dream life for the past three or four years and now we're facing adversity. Now if Seth Curry comes back, they'll ride the ship to a certain degree. Now, he's not playing when he's hurt. They're they're not the same team, everybody knows that. We talked about, you know, Denver, a little bit up and down. Utah's had a bad start. The Clippers right now are ten five. You mentioned this. You mentioned the squabble between uh, Draymond Green and Kevin Durant. Do you think? Uh, do you think they'll both be in a Golden State uh, uniform next year? Because I've been hearing rumors that uh, Durant may go to New York, and that uh, Green and Durant don't want to play for uh, the same team next year, and that Green may even be uh, possibly traded. Do you think Durant will uh, go to the Eastern Conference to avoid uh, playing uh, LeBron so many times in conference? Most of the, as you know, most of the powers in the West. 
Eastern Conference. Eastern Conference, there's like four teams that finish above 500, and everybody else, you have four teams battling for playoff spots that would be 10 games out of a playoff spot in the Western Conference. Right. Yeah, in Oregon, in Oregon, you have. <clears throat> well, that's why I'm kind of a proponent of. Uh, it's it's not a traditional playoff sit- setting, but the one through sixteen, regardless of uh, regardless of conference, just take the top sixteen teams and have. Uh, have more more teams from the Western Conference. I believe in order to play in the playoffs, you should have to have a, a record of at least uh, 500. I agree. I agree. You asked me about the Lakers. I don't know how the Lakers are going to progress this year. Uh, I think they're going to have a good team. I don't expect them to be in the NBA Finals or the Western Conference Championships like some Lakers fans do. You know, they have LeBron James, but it's also a chance how much the other guys improve, like Kyle Kuzma, Brian Ingram, Lonzo Ball. Lonzo still can't score. He had two last night. Kuzma's fine. He's got some more than 13, though. Ingram's been a little disappointing to me. I mean, this is second year for Kuzma, third year for Ingram, second year for Ball. The problem with Ball, he doesn't shoot well. He's missing a lot of games due to injuries. And Lonzo's hurt right now. You mentioned, I know... Oh, right. Tyson Chandler.
Well, you just one more thing, and then we. Dogfight, Trevor, all the way down. It's gonna be a dogfight. Right. A lot of competes within one or two games. You know, going to the last month of the NBA season in the West. Just one more thing before we wrap things up. Um, you mentioned the Lakers really needed a a, a third scorer or an outside shooter to. Uh, yeah, I think a three point shooter. Yes. And the the person that came to mind when you mentioned that to me was uh, Dougie Buckets, uh, Doug McDermott, who played at Creighton. Um, bounced around the league with a couple of teams, Dallas, Chicago. Um, I think he's still in the NBA. I think Cleveland, but uh, I think he'd like to get off that Cleveland team and play back with uh, LeBron. Cleveland just won, I, th- I think still just one win in the NBA. Well, you know, the Lakers played Cleveland on Wednesday, so LeBron went back to Miami and had his 51-point game, and now he's going back to Cleveland on Wednesday. You know, he'll be ready. Is this the guy whose dad was his coach? Right. Creighton. Yeah. And he, he plays kind of like a power three. That's about all the time we have for uh, today's show. Um, I want to thank the principal uh, for joining us, Mark Heffernan, and for uh, West Coast Sports University.
I am the Dean of Sports, Trevor Dean. Thanks for listening, and be sure to join us next week.